0: Wallace to his left and he's on his way. Ten, nine, five, three, 9, 5, Wonderful try.
1: We have a mole, Jim.
0: Diggs like a demented mole there. He just busts through the defense. Just watch this. Splendid, beautifully. In go the Irish Forest. This is Lenorman. Bursting in. Back to Bradley, back to Cannon. The drop of goal is over. Michael Cannon has
1: done
2: it. Good evening and welcome to the Mallcast. Good evening. Good evening. Now, will we start with Agenda 1, Leinster are deadly, or Agenda 2, Munster are awful?
1: Agenda 2, Munster
2: are deadly. Munster are deadly. Munster played out a league, uh, well, a Let's say a league classic. It reminded me of two of the games that Leinster played against South African teams at home earlier in the season how they were just, wow, this is a, just a regular season game and it's so good. Munster beat the Stormers, uh, the first home defeat for the Stormers in 20 games. 20 games, yeah. In, a, in the URC, in, actually. In a belter that uh, really put paid to the kind of the... the Sort of shambolic second half they had against the Sharks a couple of weeks ago in the in the uh, Heineken Cup. Um, so Munster are back. Stephen Archer's greatest game ever? Well, like more or less, I thought
1: Archer a great game. But in general, you know, uh, it, Munster are back is moot point. They played a absolutely cracking match. Uh, it was really febrile atmosphere. Quite a lot of biff in the first half and in parts of the second half. Um, the Stormers were at home and, and set out their stall to uh, rough Munster up a little bit. Munster are, have good character for responding to that. Um, but overall, it was just the, the standard of the game. was It was an enthralling game to watch. And the standard, I, I thought, of the rugby in it was was really good. And it was an incredible advertisement for the league. Um, just like it was like watching a Heineken Cup semi-final or something—a good Heineken Cup semi-final. It had that. It had it had a lot riding on it. Uh, if these teams were playing in like in the third or fourth game of the season, w- without the amount of uh, you know risk reward uh, appended to it, I don't think it could have hit those heights. But they were playing when they were playing. And it did hit those heights. I thought it was a cracking game. Uh, enjoyed every minute of it. It was like unputdownable.
2: What can we read for Munster's victory then? Because in many ways, if Marnie Libock could kick a goal, they wouldn't have won that game.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, Libock's goal kicking, like his... Is Marnie like it, his first name? Well, yeah, I just man, made that up. <laughs> his, some of his attempts were, were dreadful. and You can see the confidence drain out of him in the last five minutes you know when he either opted himself or was asked to take uh, one straightforward one in front of the sticks which I thought once he was sizing it up I was pretty sure he wasn't going to get it and the second one was really difficult kicking I was like just not getting this either Uh, he played a super game with ball in hand and then in broken play he's a magnificent player but that uh, I think he was two from seven uh, from place kicking and you know, some of them, some of them weren't even in the right postcode. Uh, but like, it was a huge task for Munster to go down there and and get a a, a win against that Stormers team. So you do need, like, you you'll take whatever luck is there available to you. You know, um, in the same way that Leinster needed a needed a bit of luck to get over the line against the Lions in their game. Um, it's just going down to South Africa is a huge ask travel is just take so much out of you conditions are different significantly different than what uh, Irish players are used to at any time of the season Um, but the biggest thing is the competitive instincts the size and the talent of the South African teams they're good teams even their worst team still a pretty decent team Um, and the Stormers are you know You'd have to say, you know, the, the evidence shows them as the South Africans' best team. So, yeah, good, huge result for Munster. And what's the? Well, sorry, what's the question?
2: Well, what, 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 what does it mean for what, them? To, what do we? What do we learn about Munster
0: from this victory? Uh, I, I don't know if anything has changed. I suppose ultimately, your criticism, rightly or wrongly, of Munster. One of the criticisms over the last decade is that they need emotion to play. Rather than just being able to go out and produce a season, um, like be it consistently in the league or like ba- balance their squad off, like the sort of the the, the rational, repetitive, workmanlike business as usual part of the season that's essential to professional sport, isn't their stock and trade? Uh, massive emotional highlights and despairing wails of you know uh, Ang- anguish, heart wrenching defeat is like is their stock in trade, which is which is theater. But it's it's uh, it's it's not the grind of sports, you know. So I I kind of it's good to know that that's still there, but you would be kind of a little bit if it wasn't so compelling, you'd be a little bit. Eh seen it before because we have seen it before but yeah. it's still like it's still it's a better way like the the terrifying highs are better than the sorry the dizzying highs are better better than the terrifying lows
1: uh, yeah i absolutely agree so when you it's a it's a good question what have you learned about Munster that they're that they're not a like a busted flush like that they didn't completely collapse after really poor performances against both glasgow and the sharks so they didn't just meekly exit the competition you know and get Hockey, boy, you know, what is a good team and a tough fixture. You know, they came out and uh, and uh put in a good and really energetic performance. Um, So, but in terms of overall, like one, the one thing which I find uh happens, has happened already too often is, well, Munster have turned a corner. You're going, <laughs> every time they get a, a good win or something, it's turned a corner, you're going... Mate, there are like, there's no fucking corners in
2: this season. You know, it spirals. It's like jazz. If you've turned a corner, you're going the wrong direction in the first <laughs> place. Yeah. It's the only way is up. It's like jazz. <laughs> what do we learn then? I mean, this is this, a uh, Rubik for asking questions probably a bit chart, bit tri- but they took two out halves uh, of contrasting fortunes for the national team. One place for Scotland now because he didn't get picked for the national team. And one is the the third choice um, Irish out-half, and very notably Joey Carberry, didn't travel down to South Africa. How did you think both of those out-halves played?
1: I thought that Healy was the better of the two, uh, and I thought that Munster, uh, their backline fired better when when Healy was on. Uh, they, Healy also just... Uh, we probably said every time we talk about it, like what a prodigious kicker it's, a, it's great to see him kick. He thumps the ball so hard. Uh, but I'd sort of be interested to hear what you would would make on on uh, Crowley and and Healy. None. Like, what did you make of their respective performances?
2: I thought Crowley got tackled too much, uh, which I think I often think when I see him play. I heard someone, and this is unrelated, but uh, it was a comment about. DuPont before their quarterfinal with the Sharks, the French former player who commentates as a pundit on... Benjamin Kaiser. Yeah. And he was talking about how DuPont was only tackled once in the last 16 game for Toulouse. And um, obviously, no, Jack Crowley's not DuPont. He doesn't even play the same position, but he should be the kind of orchestrator of the team if he's playing out half. And he spends far too much time at the bottom of rooks. I think. And it's possibly because he's not always been an out half. He's also been a like a distributing first center as mm-hmm. well, who and has a break, so has a tendency to think I can get through there or this is a good run, I'll get over the gain line. But he needs to not be at the bottom of rooks, I think. Um was is is my takeaway from the last two times I've seen him play. Uh Healy, yeah. yeah. I mean, I imagine I probably think about Healy the way that um some Monster fans think about. Ross Byrne, that he's like the kind of tall Raj, not fast, just kicks. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's in the same class as Ross Byrne. Um, I, yeah, I think he's a good sensible out half. And I think, I I think the real noticeable thing is just like good sensible out half and like young Tyro are both considered better picks to take on tour than.
1: 38 times capped. Yeah. 27 year old.
2: Joey Carberry, yeah. who, who was brought down to Munster, essentially like like a you know like a, almost like a project player to give Ireland second out half,
1: yeah, a the team sort of, to run,
2: yeah, and the fact that he can't get in it is is it really sucks for him. I think. Um,
1: what do you and like we talked about this a little bit before and and I've. Uh, like I was, I was thinking more about uh, Simon Zebo when, when we were discussing and Simon Zebo, obviously didn't make the touring panel either. And I was looking at, you know, you can, the sort of, the, if you take the two sort of either sides of the argument and just push the middle ground aside and just go, so either it's the players who are performing badly or it's the coach not getting uh, enough out of the talent at his disposal. And, if you if your hand has to take towards one, which one would, would you take towards?
2: If if you're talking about Joey and Zebo, I think the players. Yeah. Um if you're talking about like Murray, for example, like you know, playing like a bit of a dud until the Six Nations came around, I just think he wasn't that motivated at the start of the season. I think his sights are set in the World Cup. He knows he will be in that party. He knows he's a big man for Ireland. Yeah. He's a leader. Farrell has, you know, he has Farrell's respect. And then once the Six Nations came into view, I think he, he found the motivation he's going to need for the, for 2023. Yeah. Whereas I think the second half of 2022, he was, wasn't particularly motivated. Yeah. Um, and, and then with it, the other ones like Fekatoa, like Frisch, I think he a got, I can see why Monster fans love him. I think he's got loads of good habits. Fekatoa is a guy who's struggled and he's been released at the end of the year. To, yeah, uh, Ben Yeah. I find that, like, disappointing. Like, the argument is that he couldn't settle and it's like, he's going to go to a country where he doesn't speak the language.
1: Like, Apparently, his, I think his partner might be Italian. Oh, well, there you go
2: there. I don't yeah. know that. Um, so, yeah, that, maybe, that, maybe that's as simple as that, but, like, he's a all-black, big signing and been pretty disappointing
1: yeah
0: um what do you think i think there's too many examples for it to be all individual players so you know you have bucket of them and each individual is going to have their own story so like you have to accept that but it's it's a bit of a feature it's a bit of a feature, particularly. Um the fact that the guys are experienced, and it's only obvious when they're experienced, because you can't sort of point towards well, like you know, why is this 21-year-old like not starting? <laughs> like which which 21-year-olds are starting? Yeah. Um But it yeah, like I mean, I guess what well, the question has been asked. The question has been asked. Like it, it's it's a trend. It's it's a feature of this season of how can you not get the best out of experienced players? Yeah. Cause like you have a number of them and they're not all guys that you've signed. So is it that they're not guys that you signed? Is it guys that you tinker on the way down and you want to build your own project? Is it just a complete nutter personality clash? Is it that you don't fancy trying to teach old dogs new tricks? Is that they're not your style of players? Is it a combination of all of the above? I don't know, but it's, it's there.
1: Yeah, because I think it is there. Like I was saying to you earlier that um, Zeebo was the one who, Zebo and Carberry sort of stood out when I saw the squad being announced because zebo's played very little for a this of the season and he's another year left in his contract. I think he's played in five competitive games plus the South Africa game. Um, now last year he had a slow start to the season. He got, he was injured plus he got red card in the game. If you remember and he got a ban I think against Ulster and after four games for Munster between September and December, he re-signed for two years in January. So this was this period after Van Gran had left and before they'd announced re It was a four-month period. So uh, the timeline was that Larkham announced that he was leaving at the end of the season in November, end of November, then Van gran was middle of uh, December and then uh, Ferrari was middle of January. And then Roundtree was announced in the middle of April as a new coach. So uh, this, quite a long list of players were re-signed in, because that's his contract season, you know, mid-November to mid-January, end of January. So a lot of players were re-signed then, you know, by who? You know, essentially the professional game committee, I'd imagine. Uh, but Zeebo got got given a, a, a two-year deal on the back of, like, not great, but in the end of the season, when you looked at who Munster's top try scorers was, it was Simon zebo uh, who scored nine tries in 13 games and Jack O'Donoghue who scored nine tries in like 26 games and was Munster's player of the year. So like Zebos like still can score tries, can run, pass, kick. Like he's still a good player. So the, the issue, like I don't think he's maybe, maybe, I don't think he's like good professional habits in terms of you know looking after himself in the same way that other players do but I don't understand how he's gone from being Munster's top try scorer one season to being like absolutely uh you
0: know yeah like, totally peripheral inside the scope of works like totally peripheral
1: um and if it was only Zeebo I'd go oh it's this is a personal disagreement even though Say Prendergast had worked with him before in in racing, but then when you go well, Fekete hasn't done well, and maybe that's just setting. But then Carberry's like gone backwards, and going, and then Prendergast dropped uh, Connor Murray after Christmas, and it took Connor Murray getting selected for round and playing for rounds to get him back in form. So it, like I do think that that's that's a. Uh, it's sort of a sidebar rather than anything else, but it's it's it was prompted by the the squad selection.
0: I, I suppose there's a few other things. So all the guys are backs, which would lead you on to Prendergast. Mm-hmm. Prendergast doesn't pick the team, so even if he gives his first choice backline to Roundtree, like Roundtree still has to pick it. Mm-hmm. So no, Roundtree picks the team, and then when he picked Prendergast and Casey. No, sorry, not Penaquist. Uh, Patterson. Oh, Patterson. Yeah, yeah Patterson and Casey. You would have said, "Well, that's Roundtree's call." So, like, it's it's ballsy call by Roundtree beforehand. It was a really good call by Roundtree afterwards. Like, which is like completely result dependent. So it's, but it's it isn't it, like it isn't that there's certain guys in their front row, second row, and then some back three guys. It's not spread throughout the mm. team. They're all backs. That, that you've listed out. Um so you'd be curious to know. Yeah, that's all it there's is. There's something there's something there.
1: I, I that's all it is. I am I am just curious, you know, uh about that one. Um and not that I can't see the arguments for it, but I, yeah, I just would love to know if there is a, a, another line of, of the story.
2: Um well speaking of the pack though <gasps> or not speaking of the pack... I said Stephen Archer had one of his best games for Munster. I thought John Klein had Great one game. of his best games for Munster, and and I think you could just see how how disappointing it must have been for both Munster and for Oji Snowman to have missed so long out of him having made the commitment to sign him because of how good he is at the at club level, which is like he's obviously not able to like run around like that at an international level, but like. At, at club level, he's. Did you describe him as the point guard? Yeah, yeah, I just saw one of like he's. He
1: has an unbelievable offload game. One of his, one of his offloads, w- was like probably the best offload I've ever seen. A second row. he looked like he was going to offload it out of one side, yeah. and then he offloaded it. I don't even really know how he did it. Offloaded it out of the other hand to the other side, and it is literally like a point guard. His handling skills are sensational. He's, he's such like he is uh he's a pair you'd pay to see watch
0: who who's the big Fijian guy he played for Edinburgh oh and then uh, Nakarawa Nakarawa yeah sorry I was he, doing Nakatawa yeah. and I was I wasn't going to, Yeah, Nakarawa yeah so, that's true yeah. yeah he had a mate but like Simon is
1: as good yeah uh he's he was so impressive like for me like definitely definitely Munster's best player um now unfortunately he's out for the next match he failed at HIA so he won't play against the Sharks um and when I say definitely Munster's best player, it wasn't that there weren't other really, like Peter Mani had a, another not a really big game in a in a big match. Archer probably I think is best game that I've ever seen him play for Munster. Just needed to like, get to 35. <laughs> uh <laughs> uh just, just warming up. Um uh, Barron scored two tries. Uh I thought Kendallon did well. She's like it, 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 the pack the pack did well. I thought Coombs required first half and then really good in the second half.
2: And again back to Troy. It's so important to go ahead in games like that and not be chasing them. Oh
1: I mean, absolutely
2: like, even at half time I was texting a friend and saying it's a really good first half for Monster. I, I don't think they'll be able to stick the pace. They weren't able to stick the pace in <laughs> in <so>. sharks. <laughs>
0: yeah. But it, in Sword Sheep. <laughs>
2: Uh, it, but when they're in DHL, I was yeah. like, oh, maybe. The, but then, yeah, to get ahead and then just be able to stay ahead—it's so it's so important to give yourself a chance because against all of those South African teams, all four of them, you drop the ball, you can be under your sticks in a second. Yeah, there's just so much talent, and they're so used to scoring like Does, those kind of—they feel like super rugby tries. Almost,
1: yeah, you know? oh, I think you've said it very well. Like, and they're the Stormers' last try was if even if you take the emotion out of it, it was an amazing try. Like that was absolutely sensational, Ruby. Stormers are still a really good team. Um but you know uh, you like the Le- box plays kicking is it's been flagged before by F- Springbok fans. Uh because he's he's a joy to watch as a runner and as a controller of the game. It's not like that he's just like darting here, there and everywhere. Passes, he's really good passing skills. Really good no-look passes. Kicks intelligently. Clever array of kicks. Just a really good feel for the game. But like some of the place kick attempts were fucking shanks.
2: Yeah. Funny they should find someone to take that out of his hands. That's what I was thinking. It's not that big a problem to solve really. Yeah. The team is another place kicker. Like uh, Volemsa, the fullback. who can kick the letter off the ball as well. Have to give credit to the forwards. Now, elsewhere in South Africa, in Lions, in Lions, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'm aboard the hype train. The Sam Prendergast era. (laughs) As I texted uh, just after he, I was watching on my phone. It's just as after he put the pass to back Abdelaziz, who stormed in from 30 yards. I was like, Sam Prendergast era begins here. Now. I'll get this off my chest before we start Get it out of the way. This whole like, oh, don't hype,
1: don't hype him up. Oh, no, don't hype him up.
2: He's a professional athlete. He looks like to the manner born. His life is going to be about pressure. If he can't take a bit of hype on Twitter, then he's no fucking hope. This guy is fucking dead.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, he is. I'm like, let people have their, let people have their fun. Like, you know, we talk about bringing him into the World Cup squad. It's just just fucking stupid. But Yeah, it's (laughs) (laughs) not. But, uh, He's a super player. Like he's a super, I saw, I saw a photo of him before he joined the academy. Uh, he was invited into train with Leicester, So he would have been a So I think he was like straight out of school, out of Newbridge. And he, there's a photo of him talking to Leo and he's fucking same height as Leo. <laughs> like, and as I said to you before, like absolute good face. You know, he looks like the guy who played the young Billy Bean in Moneyball. You're going, this fella. But <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> you know, 5 tool player. So, uh, I, and I remember I saw bits, uh, bits of him when he was under 19 playing for the 20s in the summer. I just go, Jesus, this guy is so composed. And if he only had the composure and the calmness, he'd still be a good at half. The fact that he's like a six foot four, Kicks the ball beautifully, and his brother's an in international blindside. So They're going, like, and his and his old man is you know either second in command or head or was head of the ranger wing. You're going like pretty good stock there, and uh and like his his performance down in lions. It was like one thing which really struck me about that game was like how super fucked all the Leicester players looked after about six minutes. Like Vac had his try after like 80 seconds, and like he was goose. He was just like fucking roll me off. <laughs> uh he could you know they did the restart and like they sent it along, so he had to run back, trot up like you know, 18 and a half meters to the halfway for the for the restart scrum, and he was like that. The altitude had an enormous effect on the Leinster players. They went to, about 50 minutes in, they went to a close-up shop of uh, Nick McCarthy, And he looked absolutely ill. Like, he was pale as a ghost. So, I think they really struggled at that. I think they're going to fucking have a hard time against the Bulls. But they managed, the thing that really struck me about that game was... If you look at the players who made crucial plays to come back from fifteen nil down with about thirteen minutes left, haven't had two men in the bin. The guys who made the crucial plays were uh, Prendergast, Cosgrave, Ben Murphy, who came on at, at uh, scrum half. Uh, Rob Russell scored the try, the first try, uh, and then Soraka made a big deal uh, of his entry. And uh, Colhane, like these lads, twenty twenty one. Rob Russell's a little bit older and still in the academy, a late entrant. Normally you rely, I certainly would think of, if there's comebacks, it's led by the guys who have, who have just seen it all and they're going, listen, we're not beaten yet. These lads aren't that fucking good. We can actually score one try. Once we score one try, momentum is with us. So like the Richie McCaw element of captaincy, where Richie McCaw was always just like winning games in the last five minutes. We remember the one against Ireland, but he did against Australia about nine times. It's like, they always, oh my God, I get whatever the old blacks. And like, McCall would basically march the team, you know, 70 yards downfield. And then getting in the quarters going like, yeah, of course we can score a try. That's all we need to do. It's just like, score a try. Now, McCall wasn't doing it on his own, but he had that. He was, he always exemplified it for me. This fellow who just seen it all. I know how we can win matches. Like, it's only a case of scoring enough points. And we know we can score points. So let's just do it. Like, these guys aren't that good. Yeah. Uh, but in this, it's like all the nippers in the academy leading the charge. So really impressive from that point of view. Like Leinster was, like, they had unbelievably ropey moments. Some of the first half was some of the worst rugby Leinster have played all season. You know, there were knock-ons. You just do not expect to see happen. Overthrows, botched passes. Um,
2: some porous defending as well.
1: Oh, incredibly <laughs> porous.
2: Um, and even, like, the Lions, in, in Lions, uh their third try was amazing, but like a couple of the other tries, just like, geez, yeah. let's make a tackle. Yeah. But they're the, even they have that thing where you drop the ball that could be under your sticks in a second. Oh, correct. It's like,
1: they were. And one of those was yeah. like literally not under the sticks, but like went 70 meters in, you know, six seconds. Um, so there was some really, but I think an awful lot of that was less about the unfamiliarity within the Lancer team and more to do with them, like completely struggling with altitude. Now maybe I'm being kind to the answer team here, but I did just say they played some of the worst reviews of the season. But you know, there was there was things you just don't expect to see happen, you know, botched transfers at cleanly one line it's Will Connor looking very shirty had <laughs> Jason Jenkins, like just like such a pissed-off face. you make me look shit. Um but you know, they they got it together, and you know that happened when when Reese Ruddock had gone off injured. Um Who's like definitely the the leader of that of the group that's down there, and you know, big leader in Leinster. No Ross Maloney there, no Luke McGrath there. So yeah, had a really impressive performance.
0: Very positive tour already for so many of those young guys because it's so identified with their tour. Like you're saying, Reese was there, Dave Carney's there, uh, Will Connors an international, Bush. You know, Dave's Dave's going to go to Chicago at the end of the season. So, most of the, pretty much everyone who was on that tour is young, and they're all down there together. And they'll all be able to point back as a group and go, you know, this match was a really big match for us, and take mm-hmm. a lot of confidence from that, from the fact that they've, they they beat the Lions um, in in Ellis Park. Which mm-hmm. can you think of? Is there a better domestic ground in the world? It, it's
1: it's unbelievable. It's an amazing stadium. It's a, like an incredible looking
0: stadium and uh, and a
1: fucker of a place to play.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's 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 the fourth Test venue. Like yeah. it's, you know, that's where you get brought. Yeah. It's, it's the World Cup final. That's, um... And then I thought... I thought Prendergast was very good. Very, very good. For a guy who's an under 20 out half, um... In fact, like the, the obvious thing for me to do is like just to start with the criticism that I'd have of him. I think that he has to learn or he has to get into the habit of following his run when he's made a pass rather mm, than pass stand and, and The yeah. stand and deliver. But his, his range of awareness, like his range of kicking and his range of passing is very, very good. And he's got a great awareness of the pitch around him. Which is, I'm not, it's not that it's uncoachable, but it's, the like it's a manifestation of very good coaching and a very coachable player. So guy understands the game like Stuart Lancaster would talk about coaching him. and he gives a story about look at Frank Lampard. You know, he he plays that clip, he refers to that. He says, Owen Farrell's very good at it. Um and Lampard was steeped in football. He says, like George Ford is very good at it. So mm-hmm. like Owen Farrell's dad, Andy Farrell. George Ford's dad, Mike Ford, like international coaches, and then Frank Lampard is still in my eyes. Frank Lampard Jr. Junior. His uncle yeah. was Junior. Fat Frank yeah. is um, Uncle Redna. Harry Redknapp. Yeah. So it's it's like it's it's a it's a true blood, like it's a Slytherin move, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think <I laughs> j-
1: McCarthy looks like Draco Malfoy. <laughs>
2: I don't know any of these references, unfortunately. I think the thing that strikes me with um, uh, Prendergast in the limited time I've seen him play is that when he has a penalty advantage, he always does something really smart and aggressive to try and get a try. He doesn't fuck around doing a bunch of phases. He's like, we're either scoring off this little chip kick and they're usually pretty good or I'm trying to go big skip, risky pass. Yeah. Or, it's you know, he just straight goes to the shot to nothing and, does, and has a bunch of ideas about what to do. Yeah instinctively as in like you said he sees the pitch around him very well and I just think he's like he's obviously just a fucking big Ruby fan like
1: his older brother and he's able to leave mistakes behind him very quickly which is good because like one of those penalty advantages he threw this huge forward pass and you're going that didn't pan out but then it's like next thing on was that's grand.
0: Yeah. You know? And
1: I, I think as well, like what's
0: very important is, like you said, he's six foot four. Oh, so like massive. It, yeah, it, it you can really, see over the offensive line, it really, it just, <laughs> it really helps. Now, who else? I was far more impressed by Ben Brownlee than I anticipated. Yeah, being. he was very good. I was sort of, I, I remember seeing him playing 20s and gone, this is another guy who's on the 20s and I probably won't hear of him again. Yeah. Except but ins- he'll be a partner in one of the big four, so. yeah. But instead, I was thinking to myself, Jesus, this guy has one of those games that just transfers up the levels, yeah, because all his fundamentals are actually really good, yeah. And I probably didn't appreciate it watching him play 20s because I thought Jude, po- he was in the same team as Jude Possible, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, so it was himself, uh, the Fionn Gibbons, who's now at Munster, and ended up playing on the wing, who's a centre from Castle Knock he ended up playing on the wing, so they put Postlethwaite and uh, and Brownley in the centres together.
0: So I, I thought Postlethwaite was absolutely class. So do I, uh, I think. Like, the successor to Gary Ringrose. And Brownley scored the try against France, but I, I you, didn't, uh, it didn't register as much. Yeah, I was thinking possibly... Highlight of his career. Yeah. But, uh, and the still, the still <laughs> it's incredible. <is> like, <laughs> like, last minute, Grand Slam winning try. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he he was he was very good. Yeah.
1: Very good. He played against Cardiff as well and I didn't think they'd pick him at 12 cuz like his opposite number in against Lions was Marius Lowe who I remember from playing for the Sharks in Super Rugby who's a good player and was one of yeah, the was Sharks best players savage at the weekend. And uh, so I was thinking they'd put Tommy O'Brien in there because like they're playing trendy uh trendy trendy at at 10 so I was thinking like you want a more experienced player next door rather than like, like another 20 year old but uh
0: but Brownie did really well. Really well. And I liked the look of Colhane, and again it's one of the biases, yeah. but Colhane Cohan came on uh towards the end, but I thought looked very impressive. Um did a lot of things right, was involved a lot uh in the game and be excited to see him play. Yeah. Um in other matches and Yeah, other than that, like a range of good performances. But yeah. I, I do think that really positive experience for that team to, to go down and then and come back with that win that they can always point yeah. at. And just a very good example of where Leinster are at. How well they do so many things. Agreed. Um, yeah. And to get the win you know last season they played two better teams
1: and put in really credible performance losing bonus points in each at that stage, they needed a losing bonus points from one of those games to get the first seed spot. And this, this is like, there's nothing at stake for Leinster here. You know, they've already got a home quarterfinal final advantage uh, lined up before going there. So like there's every excuse. If you don't win, you're just like, huh? doesn't matter. So to, to go and get the win, having been in a, in a tough spot, you know, with two yellow cards into 13 men at one stage, Really, obviously, struggling at uh, at altitude. I thought it was was uh, yeah, a really really impressive
0: performance. The other the other thing that's just come to mind. I I thought the most impressive maybe, well, Prendergast was the most impressive given age, position, all that sort of stuff. Michael Milne put in yet another absolutely rock solid performance against uh, a South African pack. This time in South Africa, yeah, at altitude, twenty four stoner. I thought the more I see of him, the more I would be amazed if he does not go to the World Cup. Do you think so? I'm amazed. I think Ireland will bring three front rows in each position. Yeah. And I think that he is, I think he has to be Ireland's number three. And the reason that I say that is, like, scenario planner, Andrew Porter gets injured, mm-hmm. but he doesn't get injured badly enough that you send him back to Ireland and you mm-hmm. rule him out. So let's say he gets injured against uh, Scotland and then a week later you're playing a quarterfinals and then uh, you, you're sort of going, right, well, like he's, he's going to be okay in two weeks' time. Or let's mm-hmm. say he gets injured against South Africa yeah, and you're playing Scotland in two weeks' time and then you go, it's the quarterfinals, by then he'll be back. Right, So you've got three weeks in between mm-hmm. your South African game and your quarterfinal presuming you beat scotland and all that sort of stuff yeah. then you keep him yeah and it means that you're going into the scotland match with keen healy plus who well like like like, like the, jeremy, jeremy lockman yeah the three names would be lockman kilcoyne and and milne i yes yeah. one yeah so then you're sort of going but there's a risk that he may not be back for the quarterfinals yeah like he probably be back Like 65%, 60%, but he may not be back by the quarterfinals. But like you're still going to keep him on the chance that he is back. And then you're sort of going, there's a risk that you're going into the quarterfinals with one of those guys on the bench. And I think one of the things that really struck me watching the Six Nations was the impact that penalties have. Mm -hmm. particularly with the change in laws a number of seasons ago that you can kick a penalty into the corner and it doesn't mean the end of the half. Mm -hmm. So territory is massive in rugby. Possession is massive in rugby. Like giving away a penalty is both. And then... You can't take the pressure off yourself by giving away a penalty and mm. having them kick it out. In fact, you just put more pressure on yourself. And scrums are one of the main re- places yeah. where penalties get given. So if you like, if you get a, if you have a, a prop who gets penalised at scrum time, you're, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. Okay. Like it's it's a massive risk. So like you look at Kilcoyne getting penalised three times against Glasgow, and you go, like, can you afford that? Yeah. So now, whereas the, you look at Milne and you go, like, not only like he scores tries and he does all these things really well, like he's like the fact that he gets like, try scoring record is brilliant. But his scrummaging is rock solid.
2: And whatever he, he
0: never looks in trouble, yeah. he never looks like giving away a penalty. That's absolutely enormous. Now, the last four squads, Cocoin was picked in two and Lockman was picked in two.
1: Milne's highest rung is Emerging Ireland tour. So like is he is he in the picture? Like does a good end of season put him
0: in that picture? Yeah, it does for me. Yeah, okay. And and the reason I'd say that is again, I think if you're taking one of the, the the primary lessons from 2019 is that you have to pick players in form, and that if you if you do anything else, it's almost a recipe for disaster. That you're you're basically you're picking players by inference you're picking players who aren't in form, mm-hmm. and uh, you know like they're short in confidence or they're playing very poorly or they're both or they're injured or they're or, injured yeah. or, or and, and, hurts, and all rather. the messages yeah. that it sends out whereas like picking players that are informed brings in confidence you're rewarding the right thing and it can be it sounds really easy. It sounds like, well, why wouldn't you do it? And then you're going, well, like inexperienced. You don't know what they're like in the squad. They've never had that pressure on the beforehand. These guys have produced for me at different times. So like, it's it's not as cut and dried as just, but well, just pick the players who were playing the best. Mm. Um, but it is. It is that cut and dried. There's always a few guys that you can go back to if you really, really trust them because they're test match animals. But by and large, they're not the guys you have to worry about. Because by and large, those guys don't ever play that badly. Thunder's in there. (laughs) That'll knock the wind out of him. Some of the fans not happy with that.
2: Now, scenario planning. Elsewhere. The big news. Leinster have hired Jacques Ninabar. I don't know how to say his name, actually. Anyway. Came as something of a surprise to pretty much everyone it seemed except for probably uh leo cullen and jack Nienaber, Uh and maybe some other people at, at leinster who probably knew um i think it the biggest surprise is probably that if they're going to hire a foreign coach it seemed always like it would be uh, a kiwi it seems to have been a lot of leinster's best imports have been yeah i thought it was it seemed, it's also quite exciting because he's a really uh, high-ranked and well-respected coach. He's got like a lot of success, winning the World Cup with South Africa. In whatever role his role is with South Africa, because we all know he's not the head man, but he does have a, a good job title there: head coach slash physio. Yeah, but he's not um, spiritual leader slash nut job on the internet. Say, cult leader,
0: what <laughs> are the two things? Insurrectionist cult leader. <laughs> yeah,
1: what's the id, and is it the id and the super ego? It's it and ego, isn't it? Ego, it's it ego, super
2: ego, and it are the three things. Oh, the
1: 3 the door, he's yang to Razzie Erasmus's yin, or whichever one is quiet versus loud. He's the quiet, one.
2: yeah. Thanks he, for explaining. He's the quiet. One. He <laughs> is, he's very much a defensive coach. And I think everyone, again, I'm putting people, words in people's mouth. I, I think there was an expectation, uh, passive voice, the passive voice, <laughs> I love that. uh, that. You know, Leinster are replacing Stuart Lancaster, who runs the attack and is like an uh, attack coach primarily, but they've replaced him with a defensive coach. But maybe the idea is that they've already brought in the replacement for Stuart already in Andrew Goodman.
1: Yeah, well, Stuart Lancaster was really brought in as a defense coach. My memory of this is senior coach, I think it was like when Kurt McQuilkin
0: was heading off. It's when Kurt McQuilkin left. Yeah, they were... Obviously, in the market for a defence coach because that's what he was. But I don't remember him being brought in as a like-for-like replacement. I think he was available. My recollection was he was available, and Leinster took him. Yeah, maybe. again, like obviously, yeah. but he and he was look, like, he was he was able to do defence, but he was announced as the senior coach. Like they, they always he, he always had that. Yeah, you sort of couple of. <laughs> what's your job? Like if, if Leo's the head coach, what does that make him? And they never announced him as attack coach or defense coach or yeah. forwards or backs or any of that sort of split. He was senior coach. Um, and the he, he was a national team coach and I was really struck. So my assumption was that Leinster would hire like... Relatively speaking, an up and coming guy mm-hmm. or a guy who'd done a comparable job at uh in the southern hemisphere, mm-hmm. so like Leon mcdonald uh, yeah, we all thought
1: was Leon mcdonald
0: was the obvious candidate, and yeah. you're sort of going, Oh, it'll be a mcdonald And then I sort of thought to myself, Oh, sure, or, or will they give it to Goodman and you know hire like Scott Fardy or someone like that, like a former Leinster player? Or would they go looking for Felix Jones or, a, like, again, yeah. like a former Leinster player, but a guy who's experienced and sort of mold their coaching panel around that. And Or no, McNamara was another guy who or I Or Noel McNamara, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't have the imagination or the comprehension of like how big the job is to go, no, 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 we need a guy like a national team coach. So yeah. not only to, to, to keep Leinster at the level that they become accustomed to, but also to fill Lancaster's boots. Because you're going like, it's it's an unenviable task for pretty much anybody else to go into a position, to a guy who's like one of the best coaches in the world, a fellow who's a former international coach, a guy whose imprint is all over the organization, mm-hmm. all over the team, who's been there for seven six years. years, seven years, and... Um, Unless he's got a gravitas himself. And I didn't have neighbor on a list wouldn't, at all.
1: Wouldn't have him on a list. But now of 20. when I
0: see it, I go, shit, that's a great appointment.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really good appointment. The guys I taught uh, in no particular order, apart from Leon McDonald, number one, I thought it was Leon McDonald, Tony Brown, who Lencer had been in talks with a number of years ago. Uh, I thought Dave Rennie was a candidate because he's available. Uh, and Leo knows him, Leo Cullen knows him. Uh, then I
0: thought they were would have been one, two, three. Sorry, Pivac. Yeah, so Rennie and Pivac are yeah. guys. So Pivac was the guy that I thought about a number of months ago. So, well, shit, he's available. Like, yeah. the answer, so, again, like you're looking at, here's a really experienced coach who has an international profile, uh, who has experience in the Northern Hemisphere in the same competition. Yeah. And then you just extend that line of thinking to Rennie who's got exactly the same profile and I never considered an international coach who was in that job. Yeah. Um. Sorry, in, in the international coaching job yeah. at the moment. No, nor did I. And I've just uh, we've already broached the names. The
1: the other three I thought were two you've mentioned, which is uh, uh, McNamara, Felix Jones. And then I thought the last one, which I thought was a possibility was Richie Murphy, who's just, led the two Irish under 20 teams to back-to-back grand slams as a head coach and had been involved in Leinster has been involved in Ireland before and like has done like those two under 20s teams have played great rugby and got great results so I thought he was I thought he was in the mix
0: and didn't Rennie sign for a Japanese team really soon after being released by the Aussies oh maybe he did I can't remember <laughs> yeah. maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaken that but look I I would have been a huge fan of Rennie coming to Leicester. Mm. I would have thought, brilliant signing. Yeah. Um, Even though spiritually he's pretty more suited to Connacht. And <laughs> just <laughs> turning a guy of like yeah. occasional pine pullers and bouncers and a, and a barrister. Or like, you know, a student doctor into a, a league winning team. Yeah. A typical Dave Rennie style. Um And... I probably didn't bank on the attractiveness, the kudos of the Leinster brand at this stage. I Like, there, there's still a bit of me that thinks of Leinster as Donnybrook and Chris Pym. And... No, it'll always be a bit of Chris Pym. And, there, you know, and yeah. there'll always be a bit of that there. When you've been there as long, but you sort of yeah. go like, uh, you know, that's that's Leinster. Yeah. You know, like that's... Whereas uh, maybe for a certain age and a certain cohort of people it is, but like... That aging cohort are in the minority yeah. of, of what follows Leinster now, which is the Aviva and multiple league winning teams, and a team that's almost consistently in the semi finals of European competition. Mm. So, uh, I guess it's an example or a manifestation rather of how well Leinster has been run over the course of. The, over the course of Leo's and Mick, Mick and Leo's. Now, yeah. I, 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 I am interested because I've heard absolutely nothing with one exception about Shane Nolan's time at Leinster of how much input if any Shane Nolan as the chief exec have. Because at this stage you sort of go like does Leo not just do everything at Leinster? Mm. Um, he seems to. Um, whereas if Mick is there you would have gone oh, well Mick must have done something. Like certainly mm. when Checo was signed and Joe was signed, yeah. like, Mick's fingerprints were all over it. Um, and there's a bit of a backstory, you know, to, to both of them, I presume. Yeah. With Lancaster, it did look much more like Leo's. But again, you sort of presume, well, Mick must have had some sort of input. Um, And you just wonder with Shane Nolan, like, what was his input? I mean, Being charitable, I would have said that he would have encouraged Leo to think as big as possible. Uh, in his list and gone like who do you really want for this job if you could have anybody in the world not just anybody that you think is available yeah, yeah. you could have anybody who would it be um, and then go down through it like that I don't know how he operates but like I said if I'm being charitable I would say that that was the approach that he took
1: yeah the other thing about Leinster as well which is sort of worth bearing in mind is you look at uh, it's it's a stable It's a stable outfit, Um, I'm thinking that in particular with regards to like the English clubs, you know, like Wasps were like a a big English champion, European champion who went bust. You know, if somebody's coming to a job after being a national coach, um, like there's a lot of positives about Leinster. Firstly, there's a lot of player production that happens in-house. There's a lot of it already. There's already a really good team there. There's a lot of good people in place in the coaching group already, and it's stable. It's union backed. Um,
2: and the demographics and the budget will do all the work for you.
1: <laughs> demographics <laughs> and budget. Wait, if you're anywhere in the schools. Um, but but those things are all uh, are all would all be attractive. Like I don't think that coaches, like, a, a lot of coaches do end up doing three years and then moving on, but. I don't think that's necessarily out of choice for most of them. Like, I think it's like they, you know, they run, they do, they do well and then they sort of run out of success. But like, it's a tough gig and moving families and stuff around, you would rather stay in a place and know that you have a job once you're performing well, rather than that the fucking company goes bust from under you. Or somebody else, uh, an
0: owner decides like, oh, some other
1: fella's coming to market, you're sacked now.
0: Yeah, there's somebody newer and shinier around. Uh, so, look, Guy Noves at Toulouse is... Always the
1: person I think of, yeah.
0: You know, the, the obvious comparison point. And what else? Like, go, So, let's assume that it was 90% Leo. And you think... I remember going to watch a training session of Leo's a number of years ago, 2016, late 2016, 17 season. And looking and going like, what the hell does Leo do? Like he took a few lineouts. and I go, geez, like the line are the worst part of Leinster's game at the moment. <laughs> like Stuart Lancaster must do all of this. And I think there was certainly uh, like a strain of thought that just went, it's all Stuart. But you look at how Lancaster got the job and you go Cullen. And then you look at how Neon Neighbour got the job and you go Cullen. And look, Nia Neighbor's done nothing but his CV is excellent. Mm. So you presume he'd be good. And then you think to yourself, look, these are the really big strategic decisions that you live or die by. And Leo's made both of them and he's executed and got them right. And you sort of go like the rest of the stuff he doesn't need to do. In fact, he needs to avoid getting bogged down in all the detail and all the, all the bits that will keep him at a certain level. And really just like free himself up to do as much of the strategic stuff as he possibly can. And he's managed to do that really successfully, which is why he's had the run of it that he's had. Like he's been there for so long and the team or the organization only seems to get better. So uh, like at, at this point, um, you've got to say extremely good appointment yeah and and also just super interesting
1: Mm, really interesting to see how we do like the other things which I think I'm not sure if you mentioned like the positives uh, other positives for Nien Aber is like he's familiar with Ireland because he coached here and lived here before and he's also like the South Africans are the like they're the champions in the URC they're the apex predator in our ecosphere now (laughs) that's (laughs) that's exactly it yeah so getting the inside information. Look at the names. Lions, Sharks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> DHL. <laughs> uh, so like that's what, you know, one of the things about Joe Schmidt getting hired was he'd coached in France. Uh, we were like, that's. they were the teams that we lost to a lot in European competition were French teams. I was like, he brought in information about the French League to Leinster. And and Nienaber will bring information about South Africa mindset, all of these things which can be very difficult to parse unless you're directly familiar with them. He, That's another another strong element. So yeah, really interesting point. I think he carries himself very well uh, just while we're going, gushing over Jack Nienaber. Like the, the Lions uh, South Africa tour was like one of the worst rugby experiences of my fucking life. Not that I was on it or anything, but just watching those games was painful. And it was full of controversy. And he... If he wasn't at the epicenter of it, he was still in right in the middle of it. And I, I think he came out of that without any uh blemishes on his character, unlike his, his boss who got fucking banned from rugby basically, and the lines were shit. So the two the two big personalities, like Gatlin damaged his reputation massively with his absolutely shit game plan and you know, a dreadful tour, horrible tour to watch, and then Erasmus disgraced himself with his carry-on. So, um, and Ninaber came out of that with, like with a win and with no baggage.
0: Yeah, Niner.
2: Yeah, we're gonna. Have to, I mean, it's gonna be a big learning for us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Some of the fans not happy with that.
2: Even more scenario planning.
0: Leinster have. Uh, well, what have they done? You tell me, <laughs> Cause I, I only I only know it from a press release. So I mentioned Shane Nolan's name there and you sort of go I, I think he's involved but like maybe not who knows um he's incredibly low profile to the point of being non-existent but there was a few weeks ago Leinster announced and I feel like this is just at the at its it's past its best by date this story but like no one's mentioned it apart from Leinster in their, in their own press release that they uh announced a partnership with Syracuse University in in upstate New York and I sort of went to myself, like, what the hell is that? That if but it's completely different from anything that went before it. So if I would associate Mick Dawson with anything, it's that he knew everybody in Leinster rugby, like across both professionally and then in All the, the province. In the clubs. All the lads in the clubs, and he had this incredible domestic range. And like he'd remember them and he'd yeah. he'd have a story with them. They'd remember him and he'd say hello to them. And Incredible ability to, uh, to keep the whole sort of show on the road, incredible network of contacts and ability to get people to do stuff that he asked them to do. Whereas, like I said, Shane Nolan is incredibly low profile and this looks like, like a hookup with an East coast American university with no discernible professional rugby pedigree whatsoever. Mm. Like, and why would they, um, is really odd and you kind of go (laughs) like how's this how's this going to work like what's going to happen but also it's it's so left field to go this is not something that anybody else has done this like this could be a stroke of genius this this could be a hookup into an enormous market that is you know virtually unmined. well they're going to host Um, the world
1: cup the usa they're going to host
0: the world cup uh players have been going over like to to major league rugby for a number of years of you know various experience and pedigree so if you look at like harry no sorry um adam byrne and dave carney are going to chicago hounds at the end of this season yeah um and like harry mcnulty is it harry mcnulty McNulty, who's been playing hooker for the club for the first bit, was playing with the Giltinis. Yeah, and he played up to Christmas, and then with Mac Giddo. and he played with Mac So you're going like it's, like it's an it, it's it's a competition that's at an incredible stage of its of its gestation. Yeah, um, classic cosmos era. <laughs> yeah, um, so like there appears to be more upside than downside to it um so look it's it's just worth saying in in order to highlight that like it's it's just kind of odd looking but maybe i just i don't see it whatsoever but then to go back to it, more upside than downside oh i think here. so yeah because i could it's a great deal for syracuse yeah i can't imagine it's cost cost leinster a whole josh and who knows what might come out of it yeah like they who knows we'll revisit it if there's any impact whatsoever yeah. at least we can come back to it having referred to it initially
1: one thing i learned about american sports and universities is there's two types of sports so the varsity sports are funded by the universities uh so they can have huge money poured into them so they're typically american the american sports like the big four football hockey basketball and uh, the other one baseball uh and then athletics as well And say wrestling would be another one. But then, so there's varsity sports and then club sports. So club sports would be run by the students. Now they have money that is given to them by the university, but it's not anything to the same extent as the varsity sports. So rugby is a club sport in most universities. Like Joe Biden would have played club rugby when he was in Syracuse. Uh, But it's like they don't get like, they don't get benefactors giving them like 19 million to build a new fucking you know new like a squat rack
2: room or something know, you fucking know? if dave carney plays them they might get 19 million <laughs> <laughs>
0: the department of defense or something <laughs> like that <laughs> Uh okay but I, I, I guess just on that, there, there was an article about, and I'm going to go all Johnny Giles on this and mispronounce the, the Nigerian name, but is, it, is it Rashida Adeleki? Adeleki, yeah. Adeleki, yeah. Uh, and you read about what the Longhorns have. Oh, I read that the article. The setup. Ian Arreden's article. Ian article. And you're going, wow. Yeah. And like their coach is going, like, no offense, but like we spend more on 400 meter runners than Irish athletics spends on its total Everyone, program. yeah. And you're just there going, they do. Um, so there is that incredible scale to American sports. And like, you look at the golfers that go over there and you're just, and you look at the the caliber of guys who come out of university at a top end university and go onto the PGA tour. And like, they're there already. Like there isn't this grinding. There are guys that come through the corn ferry tour. There is, there is a route. It's like, it's, it's not exclusive. Yeah. But you look at the amount of guys that come pretty much straight out of the university system and into like winning PGA events and you're going, like, it's it's definitely there. It's an incredible standard.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's not all, like, benefactor money because the fucking fees are enormous. Like, people are playing tens and twenties of thousands per term to be there. Like, there's just so much money swishing around.
0: Yeah. Just like Leinster.
2: So, last one. All this money swishing around. Connacht. Throwing it around. Throwing it around. Like Building Mac new Hansen. stadiums and... Whatever else they do, I don't throwing
1: know. around the ball like it wasn't the most valuable thing on the pitch. That was the one, my, not my one takeaway, but I couldn't get fucking over how many offloads Mykenson was throwing whether they were to the Connacht players or to Cardiff players. Like he was just like full of the joys of spring. I think still coming down from the the Grand Slam. Uh, really, another really enjoyable game um, on at night time in Connacht when they had the. Disco lights going for tries and for introductions. I thought that uh, probably one you know, won their, I would say, probably their best performance of the season. Now, they had probably their best team of the season out as well. Mm. You know, they'd back, they'd Bundy. Like, they're, you know, it goes Bundy. It's So, like, Blade, Carty, Bundy, Tom Farrell, uh, Mac Hansen. Kilgallen and Tiernan and Kilgallen had a great game. Um, and he's so fast and tall. Tyrone Holler must have played about three hundred games. It's stage. like two hundred and fifty or something like that. Two hundred and four. He's resigned as well. Uh, so like their backline is is really threatening and like they were effervescent on the night. Now they were far from flawless, but really exciting. Like I, and then the other, the other in in the pack, uh, Niall Murray, uh, who is just like such fucking unbelievable Springhill Jack at the line out. Like, their line out gave Leinster, uh, you know, nightmares because he just gets up in the air and stays up there. Like, he's, he's like, hollow-boned or something. Not in the drinking sense, but in the lightness sense, like a bird. Um, So, yeah, that was a great game. I, I wasn't sure. Like, I thought that, you know, Connacht would hold no fear for Cardiff. Like, Cardiff are... Like a, a team, like not at the peak of their powers, but like they had Falatao on their team. So and 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 should have gone like they've got Falatao, one of the best, one of the best Welsh players ever. And you know they've got their two really big young centres. They've got like Rhys Priest they've got quite a lot of good players in their team. They have no fear of Connacht. They're used to playing on a plastic pitch. They they still had something to play for in terms of European qualifications. as they're going like. You know, I'm not sure Connors are going to get over the line in this and instead they fucking romped over the line very handsomely and uh, and gave a great send off there you know a number of players in the department this is their last home game to go to Glasgow for the final fixture Glasgow already safe and fourth um, Glasgow were I thought Glasgow absolutely shred the Scarlets on the backs of their respective teams two performances whereas it's Crept over the line at at home and they go, mm. I thought Glasgow were like looking like the form team coming like a train, and on the on the base of their performance in the first half against Munster, but like that was a fucking nothing, yeah, nothing performance against the Scarlet. So I don't know if, if I don't think Connor can turn over Glasgow in Glasgow, but with Glasgow already secure, no in Warriors in Warriors <laughs> Warriors then. Um. Like, I I just don't know how that's... Happened. Like, this league... Like, it's... I'm looking at it now, and, you know, first place is locked up for... You know, it's Three been locked weeks. up for weeks. Uh, but there's still a lot to play for. Like, Ulster now second. second. Uh, whereas I thought... Like, I thought the Stormers would beat Munster. I thought it'd be tight it be 4-1 in match points, you know? But that's gone the other way. Um... So, like, there's there's just a lot of, there's a lot left in it. A lot of jeopardy left. You see this tie I have with the shamrock on it? This was given to me by one of these guys right here. It was a hell of a
0: rugby player. And they beat the hell of the black and tans. Oh, God. I but,
2: but it was when you...